Welcome to the Dogsthorpe Infant School, part of Hampton Academy's Trust. Captain Dave and Eddie are ready to take you all on another learning journey to meet more great guests and hear about more great resources. Eddie has his paw on the countdown button, so sit back and relax. It's time to dream, believe and shine. Welcome back to Launchpad. Now, as we move closer and closer towards World Book Day, we're going to be featuring lots of authors, lots of publishers, lots of great people that I'm sure, listeners, you'll want to hear. And we've got one on the Launchpad ready to meet us now. Her name is Anne Scott, and she is an author, and she works... Well, I'll let her explain what she does. Anne, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Dave. Yes, my name is um, Anne Scott. So I am publisher of um, Patrick George's books. Patrick George is an illustrator, um, and we are a two-man team. And our publisher name is Patrick George, which is slightly confusing, but there it is. Um, And we have been publishing books since 2009. Um, We only publish a handful each year. So you don't see a large volume going through um, the marketplace. But um, our latest book is um, I Spy Animals. So Patrick um, is an illustrator by day. He illustrates for plenty of clients. Um, The book publishing business started as a sideline, as more of a hobby, really. Um, Something which he he had some ideas back in 2009, and um, I was very willing to take on responsibility of marketing and publishing his ideas um and we started out really it was a very unknown quantity we didn't know how successful we would be but we both have background knowledge in printing um and in design so that was obviously a bonus for us we published a couple of books on collective nouns which were quickly picked up by teachers um key stage two teachers and also by Kate Greenaway. So we were long listed for the Kate Greenaway Award in 2010, um, which made us feel that we were doing something right. We then continued after that to publish some more books. Um, And Ice by Animals is the very last one um, we have published, which came out just before Christmas. And it features die cuts on each page and the die cut, so the, 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 the cutout, if you like, on the page, um, always reveals a little surprise. So when you turn the page, you see a new animal, and the die cut leaves you guessing what you're going to see when you turn the page. Um, and that is really the essence of our style of illustration, um, is to make our books interactive and give children a chance to sort of play along with the story. Um, prior to I Spy, we produced eight books with transparent pages in them, our acetate series, um, books which have been very popular in schools with um, special needs communities, um, particularly in schools and special needs. They are very educational because every time you turn the page, you learn and you reveal something new. So it's sort of sparking the imagination, um, sparking the curiosity of the child, making them think a little bit harder about what they're looking at than you would with just a normal um, illustration. 
what I like about it and what, what got me interested was that um, whilst we're encouraging our children to, to read, and that's very, very important, and to recognise the shapes of words and the pronunciations of words, we have a lot of children at Dogsthorpe Infant School where English is an additional language. And the great thing about your books is that... Um, it, that a lot of them are based around the illustrations rather than the words first with the illustrations to back them up. A lot of your books are about the illustrations with the words to back them up and that's why I think that uh, I, I actually love that, that format. Thank you. Yes, well, that really is... I mean, you've captured exactly what we're doing here. We're trying to speak through pictures rather than words. Um, and... Uh, this is why I think they're also popular. Well, I know they're very popular with children with um, reading difficulties, uh, language difficulties, learning difficulties, because you can understand the picture before you understand the words. And the words can then be um, a little bit of vocabulary that you learn in order to teach you the language um, that you're reading through the picture, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's totally what we what we do, what we're about, really. We always set out to produce very colourful and educational books, um, and our caption, as it were, was promoting through visual literacy. So that was the way we started out. Are all the books interactive, or do they vary? Um, the very first books we brought out, which are um, no longer in print, sadly, were... Um, collective nouns they weren't interactive but the the imagery was um clever so when you look at the page you always look twice and you see something different each time so it's sort of playing with visual tri trickery but the acetate books um are as i say the um the interactive books and i spy animals it's very interesting we have brought out a book called colors which um, is all about colour mixing. Um, and if you show a child a picture on a screen, like you say, and they press a button and the picture changes, it's something that the child has become to expect and just mm. takes for granted. Mm. Um, if you take colours, for example, just one of our books, and you turn the page the transparent page changes the colour in turning the page. And most kids, when they first see this book, say it's like magic because they don't understand how turning the page can change the colour. So there's an interesting um, discovery, I think, that pages can do something magical, whereas a screen does it magically and people expect it to be mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. So all our acetate books, as I say, there are eight of them, are very interactive um, because of this transparent page. And we have early learning concept books. We have a book called Oh No, which has no words in it, but is very good for prompting children to speak for the first time. Uh, we have a book called When I Grow Up, which is about empowerment. Um, Animal Rescue um, is all about saving animals and respecting the environment, uh, planet rescue about the environment as well. So they're quite, um, they're very educational and as I say, in a very interactive way. And um, a book we brought out last year is called How Do You Feel? 
this book doesn't have acetate, but again, it has a very clever series of images inside where a balloon seems to be showing the emotion just as much as the child does. So there's something to be looked at and discovered on each page. Mm. Um, And the vocabulary that accompanies each image is very simple, but it's a wide range of vocabulary. So for children who are feeling a certain emotion but don't know how to express it, um, can perhaps see the emotion on the page and then read the word, and then they've learned a new word to express how they feel. So this can work, like you say, with um, children whose native language is English and also with children whose second language is English. So if people, uh, schools listening, teachers listening parents listening if they want to have a look at the sorts of books that you do and hopefully buy a copy where's the best place for them to come well they can go straight to our website if they want to um which is www.patrickgeorge.com there is a, a facility to buy directly from the website um Otherwise, um, online um, platforms have them. So, you know, Amazon, Waterstones, um, the Book Depository. I always like to promote bookshop.org, which is the platform that supports independent bookshops Mm -hmm. and your local bookshop where you can buy the book and choose the bookshop that you want to support when you buy it. Um, if the if a bookshop doesn't have the book, you can order it. It's very easy because they are all in stock and readily available. Well, there we are, listeners. There's and some more resources. We're always giving you on Launchpad um, some new resources, some new books. And here we've got. To, I, I re- thoroughly recommend them. They're wonderful books. Have a look at them, particularly if your child has got special educational needs or if they're struggling with their reading, here is some a book that you could get them, buy them, and read it with them and talk. Talk to your child and explain to them and join in the surprise with them because that's the love of books can be found in all sorts of ways and this is a wonderful way into reading. Uh, thank you for your time today, Anne. I, I, I know your area, you're down in Ramsgate, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I know it very well. I'm a Kent boy. I, okay. I, was, I was born in in Borden in Kent, so I okay. know. So I know I know that area and had lots of happy happy memories of Ramsgate. Um, so um, my very best wishes for you, for the company, for Patrick's work, and for your work. Long may it continue. And um, if you've got a new book that's coming out, Anne, and you want a little bit of publicity, come back to Eddie and me on the launch pad and we'll share it with our listeners. Thank you, Dave. That's very kind indeed. Thank you for your time. You are listening to Launchpad, the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, children and teachers. Well, once again, we've got Al Kingsley with us and uh, Al, you've just recently written a new book, haven't you? I have. I'm now the proud owner of a big yellow book. I'm very proud. (laughs) (laughs) My Secret EdTech Diary. Tell us more. Well, I mean, you can probably, for some of the older listeners, you you might recognise that um, one of the... uh, one of the decisions I took about that naming the book was possibly linked to um, Mr. Adrian Mole. Um, but I suppose if you think about reflecting on your own thoughts, they kind of are secret until you share them. And um, I think probably the most important thing was I didn't want it to be presented as a, a, 
a bit too stuffy a research paper. Mm. It's meant to be, hey, these are my thoughts and views, lessons that I've learned, um, and so on. But yes, an EdTech diary, um, probably not the kind of book you're going to see um, at the very front of Waterstones as one of their um, hot topics to read for the weekend. But for anybody who's interested in education, you know, technology is kind of at its heart. It's not the most important thing, but it's a facilitator, I always say. So I wanted to share about the fact that actually one of the biggest strengths for, for people who work in, educated, in education, our teachers, is what's referred to as reflective practice. Actually, you know, people, we often improve by uh, looking back and thinking, could I have done that better? What could I have done? So I wanted to share about the history of technology and education. Fairly briefly, you'd be reassured to hear, uh, about some of the projects over the last 20, 30, 40 years that have succeeded and failed. And actually, sometimes they failed not because of the technology, but actually nobody really had a plan of what to do with it. Mm. And, um, you know, we can all probably imagine that if you walk into a, a barren classroom and say, there you go, 30 iPads, uh, the iPads may be fab, but if you don't really know what apps and tools and how you're going to weave it into the lesson, then probably quite quickly they'll become kind of dust catchers and sitting on the windowsill. And so part of it was that. Then we had this this amazing period, you know, amazing in a in a very sad sense, but amazing nonetheless, where we had a pandemic and suddenly the conversation about educational technology, even for many who were like, oh, technology, it's not my cup of tea, keep me out of it. It came to the fore. We all had to think about it because like it or not, our learners weren't in the classroom and, and our staff weren't either. So we suddenly started thinking about technology in a different way. How can it actually enable and facilitate, you know, me still in, teaching my children and them having a learning experience? And many people learnt the Zoom and the Teams words rather quickly. And that's a, a good platform where a teacher can say hi on the webcam. But actually it's about the, the layers that you put on top of that that actually deliver the content and the knowledge. And then actually how do you capture what the child has mm. answered and provide them with feedback and how do you engage your staff to do your own professional development and so on. There's lots of things that happen within a school during the year. So my book was very much about the lessons learned over the last 18 months, what worked well and what didn't work well. And there were plenty of things that didn't go well. But what I really wanted to embrace was the fact that for the first time, many in schools were actually allowed to take risks. And mm. risks in a safe way, I don't mean with our, with, our, with our children, but risks in terms of go out and try new things. And actually innovation comes from taking risks. That's the only way you accelerate your growth and knowledge. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, well, that didn't work for me. Um, so after that period, it's then, well, how do, we, how do we plan moving forward? You know, how do we bring together all the stakeholders to build, sounds really grand, a digital strategy? It's not really. It's a plan for how we're going to use technology now. And if we could, what we'd like to do in the future that would enhance the learning experience, mm. benefit staff and student well-being, save us time, make us more efficient, make everything more enjoyable. And of course, there's a little bit of blue sky thinking in there you know mm. and, and i appreciate for some schools that journey the speed of the journey is dictated by the finance mm. the budget or a lottery win depending on how aspirational mm. they've mm -hmm. been but nonetheless what you don't want to do is buy loads of equipment this year without thinking of the next five years to only find that in two years time that's all obsolete because you want to follow a different pathway yeah so thinking longer ahead is really important and of course Time's the commodity that not many of us get. But you need to bring all those stakeholders together. So the book kind of covers the, the checklist, the things to do, the questions to ask from a teaching perspective, from an IT perspective, from a governance perspective, to provide that challenge, to make sure that you're all on the same page in terms of where you're trying to go. And then because I'm very fortunate to work 
internationally in the education space, I brought lots of voices together, voices of educators from all over the world and asked them questions, you know, the good and the bad about what works well, what are their definitions of educational technology, how do they go about constructing a strategy. Things that for me are really about, you know, I call it my voices align section, but it's more reassuring if you get from other schools that have been successful on their journeys, how they did it. So it shares examples of that. Um, and I'm a fan of a top 10. And, and for those listening, that doesn't mean just top of the pops or the charts. Um, but I wanted to think, well, well, how do you make you know a book easily and accessible, but actually have extra value to a, to a reader? So my top 10 podcasts to go listen to, my top 10 websites where you can learn more things about education and technology, uh, my top 10 events around the world, uh, my top 10 books, not surprisingly. Um, and so really give people a kind of a signposting of, you know, if I've whetted your appetite, off you go. Mm. In the book, there are a few bits where I, I, I raise the point of things that I don't agree that we've done nationally as a government and locally and things that I would do differently. And it's an opinion. So some might agree with me and some might say, um, Al, I'm not sure I do agree. But I think given that nature of every school is different and they're on a different pathway in their mm. journey, um, a book that claims to give you a list of answers is probably a little bit fake. Mm. A claim, a book that tells you all about your experiences and then shares a list of questions, I believe is much more helpful. Mm. This is what you need to ask. This is what you need to go away and think about. And then based on those answers, you can make your own judgment mm. and your own position. So again, I, I hope the book is a bit of an enabler. It's done in a way that's a bit lighthearted. Um, mm. I've got a few dad jokes in there. That's probably <laughs> the best I can define them. Um, but again, you know, I think reading a book is about something that you just want to, it's got to be enjoyable. You've got to be open and transparent. You know, I always say, you know, mistakes are stepping stones to success. So you just got to big enough to admit a few of them and share them as part of your journey. Mm, mm. It, it's been an, an incredible journey. When I think that um, 40 years ago, I filled in a little thing on the back of a magazine. Uh, I can't remember what magazine it was. It may have been a computer magazine or a... Uh, at even at something like a TV Times or something, and I sent off for a ZX81 by the late Sir Clive Sinclair, yes. and um, 1K of memory, um, and I remember buying a 16K memory expansion pack on the back and bringing it home on the bus and thinking to myself that, wow, I've got a mainframe. You've got the power in your yeah, hands now. Yeah, got the power now, <laughs> 16K. And then then within the blink of an eye, it was a Commodore 64. And I've, and I've always been a bit of a technophobe. So um, I've always wanted to think, well, okay, what's next? What's this? Or I want to have a go at this. We've got a lot of teachers who maybe not feel like that. And, and to have um, ed tech in front of them can be a scary thing, can't it? It can be very scary. I mean, linking to your, your experiences, there's a rule that some listeners may have heard of called Moore's Law, which basically says, you know, every couple of years, technology gets twice as fast and, twi and half the size. And then and we see from the old mainframe mm. computers to the, wow, the smartphone in your hand, mm. it's a pretty powerful bit of technology mm. now. And you're right, you know, technology, for all the things it offers and it can empower, it is scary. It's... Mm. it's it, any change is scary and technology moves at such a pace let's mm. be honest nobody can claim to be up to date on everything mm. so a big part of what i cover actually in the book is about teacher confidence um and i think it's really really key that um we kind of use those four stages and the first stage really when you pick up a new bit of technology that you've not been trained on is survival mode and you, you've stepping stones to the point where you're actually innovating so how do you actually mitigate that well i guess there's two strands one thing is schools have to learn that CPD, this continuous professional development, for those mm. listening and are new to that term, 
it can't just be a day at the start of the academic year. You know, we can we can be shown how to do something, but if that's it, that's pretty tough. We wouldn't mm. expect our favourite football team to have one training practice before the start of the season and mm. call it a day. And then the second thing is um, actually knowing who else in the school has got confidence and knowledge in a product. Mm. The flag bearers, the go-to mm. people. That spreads the kind of support and network that's there. And the third thing, which is probably a bit weird from someone who's a big advocate of EdTech, is don't try and do too much too quickly. Mm. It's much better to implement one or two things, get confident with them, using them regularly, get them, as we refer to in education, embedded, um, and start to see the benefits of it. Because that gives you confidence, and confidence makes it a lot easier to think about, we'll do more of that, or we'll mm. buy more of that. Um, some schools perhaps have felt that the, the race to supremacy is who's got the most tech, and and that doesn't always work. You know, it mm. is much more about using it in effective ways. Mm. Um, and so it's a wraparound of the three, choosing the right products that are accessible, designed for educators and easy to use, making sure all the time there's different stepping stones for training and familiarity uh, and confidence in using the tools um, as part of that journey uh, and kind of looping it all back together by saying, well, we're not going to ask you with the time that you already haven't got as educators uh, to suddenly find more time to do these things. So, you know, that they're all wrapped together. Ideally, they're part of your digital strategy, the tools you choose, how you're going to deliver and train and co- maintain it, how you're going to identify the flag bearers and how you're going to build on it over what timeline. Mm. Because it, we've the people who are now teaching, or a good number of those that are now teaching, were probably trained via acetates and overhead projectors. That's a little bit harsh, Dave, well, but yes, possibly. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I mean, some of us can remember just blackboards, but there you go. The Romans came and things changed after that for me. <laughs> um, but um, EdTech is, is the way forward, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 when I look at how far our little infant school has come through using it and having you as an expert in, in your field sharing the, the ideas has brought us on in leaps and bounds. And, uh, and for those listeners uh, who, who are teaching, teaching assistants, if you're a bit scared about the ed tech that you're using at the moment, take on board what Al says, go and find um, someone who is good at it and get a little bit of advice and, and learn as you go. Because I know that, and I'm speaking to the teachers at, at our own school now and teaching assistants, I know that some of you are a bit scared about using some of the things on the learning journey bus. But just remember, there are people at the school, including myself, who will be more than happy to help you. You're not on your own. Al, thanks again. We look forward to uh, reading your book. Um, I guess it's available on Amazon? Um, I was going to say um, with a slight smile, it's probably in the bargain bin at Woolworths about now, but unfortunately <laughs> Woolworths isn't there to provide the bin, so that, that joke doesn't really help. So so with the absence of Woolworths, That was yes. a dead joke. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, now you can see the kind of level that I'm providing for you all as listeners. Uh, yes, Amazon and all good bookstores yeah. is available, My Secret Great. Ed Tech Diary. My Secret Ed Tech Diary by Mr Al Kingsley. Al, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure. Well, that's it for another week, folks. Captain Dave and Eddie will be back again soon with another Launchpad. They'll have more great guests, more places to see, and more interesting things to share on the learning journey. So, until next week, be kind, be respectful, and always remember to dream, believe, and shine. <laughs>